Christian Heritage Ministry, in cooperation with Fuller Seminary, proudly presents the Old Fashioned Revival Hour, a broadcast of the Gospel with Dr. Charles E. Cole. sunshine, especially today. I, I know you'll do your very best, and as you sing through the first time, turn around and shake hands with as many as possible. We'd like everybody to have a good welcome on the old-fashioned revival hour. All together, heavenly Sing it out. And turn right around. audience, if you miss this sight of ever seeing uh, the folks sing Heavenly Sunshine and Shaking Hands, you, you'll really miss something. It's wonderful we're having such a grand time of fellowship together, uh, together. once more. All right.
living on the shore. I'm living where the healing waters flow. Yes, I'm living on the shore. I'm living on the shore. I'm living where the healing waters flow. I'm singing hallelujah, safely anchored is my soul. I'm living where the healing waters flow. I'm resting on his promises, the blood has made me whole. I'm living where the healing waters flow. Living on the shore, yes, I'm living on the shore. I'm living where the healing waters flow. Hallelujah, yes, I'm living on the shore. I'm living on the shore. I'm living where the healing waters flow. One of the things that thrills me is that I know that there are millions tuned in on this broadcast who have the experience of the resurrection life, and to think that they're tuned in all across the continent, up into Canada, South America, and across the other nations, certainly a thrilling thing to be able to send the gospel out from the municipal auditorium here at Long Beach, California. And so will you pray earnestly with us today that many listening in who do not yet know this saving grace may open their hearts to Christ today and know the joy and peace which Christ alone can give. Splendid audience here today, large percentage of first-timers, and a great number of the men and women of the service of our armed forces. We pray God's blessing on you.
And now, Mrs. Fuller, with the letters, go right ahead, honey. Greetings to you, friends. That song just sung so beautifully by the chorus, Oh, Perfect Love, used so often at weddings, is appropriate at this season of the year, too, when it is well for us to dwell on the thoughts of God's perfect love for us, drawing us close to himself. And now for some letters. Dear Brother Fuller, I drive a cab in Washington, D.C., and many a happy hour do I spend listening to the old-fashioned revival hour on the little radio in my taxi. Not being able to go to church much, it fills a great need for me, and how I do rejoice in Christ and all his blessings while I worship with you out there in California. I always ask my passengers if they object to hearing a fine program as we drive along, and they nearly always say, sure, turn it on. But sometimes they seem surprised at what they hear. One flashy-looking lady said, Well, I haven't heard those songs since I was a child, and maybe I ought to go to church again. Some of them make fun, but one man said, That's what the people of our country need. We wouldn't be like we are and in the mess we're in if we heard and heeded such a message. If I'm driving along alone, I sing with you, good and loud, but you can't hear my amens out there. Thank you, Mr. Fuller, for coming across to me here in my cab in Washington, D.C. That's good, isn't it? Dear Mr. Fuller, we're just farmers and we don't have much, but I do love the Lord, for I was saved three years ago listening to your program, and just recently, as he listened, my husband gave his heart to Christ. And I'm asking your prayers for him and for myself. From Tennessee, dear Dr. Fuller, I can remember as a small boy my mother and dad listening to your program. And from then on through the years, I have heard you. I have listened from such places as out on a carrier in the Pacific and even in the university dorm. No matter where I am, the gospel is always sweet to hear. I have been blessed along with many others. Yours is the only gospel message that many people hear, and may God continue to bless you. From Canada, I have been growing to love and look forward to your broadcast more and more each time I hear it. Maybe the reason is that I have accepted Christ since I have been listening. A serviceman from Mississippi writes a good letter. Dear Dr. Fuller, I've been confined to a base hospital with pneumonia and have been forced to miss attending church on Sundays. I regretted this, but imagine the thrill when I heard the familiar strains of Jesus Saves coming from a radio at the other end of the ward. What a joy it was to hear your fine quartet and the good old straight-from-the-shoulder Bible preaching. I received my order of the old-fashioned Revival Hour Mail Quartet records about five weeks ago. And you cannot realize what a blessing they have been in the barracks, where so much trashy music is heard on the radio. Well, God bless our servicemen richly today, wherever they may be. May he meet their every need, and not only their need, but the need of the folks at home, too, of their home folks. And that is all I shall have time for today, friends. Yeah.
Let's stand, please, and sing one verse of number 123, Faith of Our Fathers, Living Still and Remain Standing for Prayer, please. Son Daniel Fuller will lead us in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we thank Thee that at this season of the year, especially, that we can worship the risen Christ. How thankful we are that He rose from the dead, where He died for our sins, and that because He rose from the dead, we are justified before Thee. We thank Thee for the finished work of Christ. We thank Thee that because of that finished work, that we can have the assurance of salvation. And, Father, we simply pray that we may come to worship and trust in the risen Christ more than ever. We also pray for our servicemen. We pray that they may come to know Jesus Christ as their Savior and Lord. And also we pray for the nation of China today. We pray that the door to the gospel may not be utterly closed into that land. Instead, we pray that there may be many who can send forth the good news of Jesus Christ to that needy nation. For we ask it in Christ's name. Amen. Oh, 
to the old-fashioned revival hour from the Municipal Auditorium at Long Beach, California. This is Charles E. Fuller speaking.
on the leaven of the Sadducees, and in Matthew 16, 6, we have, take heed and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Now, our Lord, when he was here upon earth, was not only openly opposed, despised, and hated by mankind in general, but severely opposed, despised, and hated by three groups of so-called religious pretenders or hypocrites. Believers are in more danger, not so much from those that openly oppose them as they are from those who work secretly under cover of some outward front or show of being very religious. And the three groups of religious hypocrites which opposed our Lord were designated as the Herodians, the Pharisees, and the Sadducees. And their corrupt principles or practices were compared to leaven, souring, swelling, spreading, like leaven in a loaf of bread. They fermented wherever they came. Now, the Herodians were a hostile, bitter enemy of our Lord, primarily a political party, and yet they possessed a great religious fervor opposing Israel's plans and hope of a messianic kingdom upon earth thus opposing Christ who claimed to be king and ruler above their earthly ruler, Herod. Beware of the leaven of Herod. That is, believers have no part or parcel in any movement to place any man in the place of supreme authority, unseating Christ, who is God's appointed ruler over all. Be on your guard and not be a follower of Antichrist and his forces, but to give Christ preeminence in all things. The Pharisees, likewise, were hostile, bitter enemies of our Lord, and this group was primarily religious group, outwardly very strict adherence to the law of Moses. And these Pharisees made a great outward show of religious uh, things, though inwardly they were filled with all uncleanness, hatred, bitterness, and corruption. And thus we read in the 23rd of Matthew, beginning at the 25th verse, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For ye may clean the outside of the cup and the platter, 
but within they are full of extortion and excesses. Thou blind Pharisee, cleanse first that which is within the cup and the platter, that the outside of them may be clean also. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for ye are like an under whitened sepulchres, which indeed appear beautiful outward, but are within full of dead men's bones and of all uncleanness. Even so ye also outwardly appear righteous unto men, but within ye are full of hypocrisy and iniquity. God looks on the heart. Man looks on the outward appearance. So beware of the leaven, that is the souring, swelling, spreading work of the leaven of the Pharisees. Now, the third group which opposed and hated our Lord was a group called the Sadducees. This group, according to Matthew 22:23, denied that there is any bodily resurrection from among the dead. For we read, the same day these came to Jesus, the Sadducees, which say there is no resurrection. And hence our subject the leaven of the Sadducees. Beware of the souring, swelling, spreading work of those who say there is no resurrection, that deny the bodily resurrection not only of Christ from among the dead, but of any from among the dead. Now, Paul the Apostle was constantly combating the fermenting work, especially the leavening work of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And in 1 Corinthians 5, 6, and 7, he says, Know ye not that a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump? Purge out, therefore, the old leaven, that ye may be a new lump. And from chapters 1 to 14, in a general sense, Paul unveils the leavening work of the Pharisee. While in chapter 15 of 1 Corinthians, Paul answers the false doctrines of the Sadducees, which doctrines teach that there is no resurrection. And so now, will you turn your Bibles, please, to 1 Corinthians, the 15th chapter, that great resurrection chapter, and especially the high point found there in these two verses. For since by man came death, 21 and 22, by man came also the resurrection of the dead, for as in Adam all die, so in Christ shall all be made alive. Now in this marvelous chapter, 58 verses, we have first of all the certainty of Christ's resurrection, verses 1 to 11, and then the importance of Christ's resurrection, verses 12 to 34. And after having established the certainty of Christ's resurrection and the importance of Christ's resurrection, he proceeds to set forth the manner of the believer's resurrection in verses 35 to 58. I wish I had a couple of weeks with you on this marvelous chapter. Well, first of all, the certainty of Christ's bodily resurrection, and of course, the believer's resurrection, because since Christ rose from the dead, we have that great foundational fact that we are who are his, uh, will also be raised from the dead. Now let me make it very plain to you. The great 
doctrinal points of our Christian faith, two great outstanding facts. Listen carefully, will you? Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that He was buried, that He rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. Christ's death on Calvary and His resurrection three days later from among the dead on the first day of the week. Christ rose again the third day. And right in that first part of the 15th chapter, we have six appearances of Christ after His resurrection. They are recorded there so that you'll have some basis of your faith. First of all, He appeared to to Simon Peter. And then He appeared to the twelve on Easter night. And that is recorded in the 20th chapter of the Gospel of John, beginning at the 19th verse. Oh, how beautiful it is there. How that, that evening, the doors being shut, Jesus appeared unto His disciples. Let me read it to you, please. It is so beautiful there. In the 20th chapter, beginning at the 19th verse, Then the same day at evening, Easter night, being the first day of the week, we're on resurrection ground. That's why uh, the first day of the week is set apart for worship. We're not under bondage of the Old Testament law. When the doors were shut, the disciples were assembled for the fear of the Jews came Jesus and stood in the midst and said, Peace be unto you. And then it goes on and said unto them, Receive ye the Holy Spirit. You may not agree with this, but I believe with all my heart there in that upper room, that Easter night, the eleven disciples receiving the Holy Spirit, they became the seed plot of the church. For they had not been really converted and born or grafted into the body of Christ until, first of all, they had received the Holy Spirit. Disciples for three and a half years. But on Easter night, after the resurrection, they were grafted in, planted together in the likeness of His death, sharing also His resurrection. And then Christ appeared to the five hundred, and then to James, the Lord's brother, and then to all the apostles, as recorded in the first chapter of Acts, and then to Paul himself. Six appearances of Christ after the resurrection. So I say to you, beware of the leaven of the Sadducees, which says there is no resurrection. And so Paul, the master logician that he is, begins now upon that fact of Christ's death and resurrection to present his case. He said, if there be no resurrection, Christ is not raised. Then he goes on to say that our preaching is vain, empty, void, unsubstantial. Furthermore, our faith is vain, empty, void, unsubstantial. And we are, of all men, false witnesses. And then, furthermore, he puts the capstone upon it, and he says this, Those who die in the faith, if there be no resurrection from among the dead, they are lost forever. That's the natural conclusion. 
And so I love to send forth the glorious news as outlined in the first or in first Corinthians fifteen verse twenty, these words, how he starts now positively to set forth the fact of Christ's resurrection. Here it is. But now is Christ risen from the dead and become the first fruits of them that slept. But now is Christ risen. And then Paul sets forth a twofold statement. And it's upon these two statements I want to base the balance of my message. Will you listen carefully? In Adam all die. Even so in Christ shall all be made alive. Beware of the leaven of the Sadducees which teaches that there be no resurrection from the dead. And so the great question that needs to be asked and better still needs to be answered is this. Are you still in Adam or are you now in Christ? Listen carefully. All in Adam, in Adam, all die. Go back to the Garden of Eden. And when Adam sinned, death entered the human race, both physically and spiritually. And Romans 5.12 sets forth the natural man's position in Adam. Adam sinned, and sin's consequences, both physical and spiritual death, took place. Spiritual death being separation from God that is alienated and cut off from the life of God. By nature, I don't care who you are, by nature, you are still in Adam unless you have been born again and made alive in Christ Jesus. By nature, you are dead in trespasses and sin and fulfilling walking about this age under the direction of the prince of the power of the air, energized by Satan. And you are fulfilling the desires of the mind and of the flesh. And you are by nature a child of wrath and by nature children of disobedience. And all by nature under sin, slaves of sin, slaves of the prince of the power of the air. All, therefore, regardless of race, color, creed, standing, social position, all are in need of redemption to be purchased out of the slave market. Unless so purchased and redeemed, one will perish forever without hope, without Christ, without God. You may be the very flower of the human race, socially engraced, intellectually high above your fellow beings, but I say to you that unless you are in Christ Jesus, you are lost. Let those words burn their way into your heart. And now the picture changes. In Christ shall all be made alive. That does not teach universal salvation, as I'll explain in a moment. By nature, you are in Adam. And if by nature all are in Adam under the sentence of condemnation or death, the very question that perhaps many of you are asking is this. How can I be made alive then in Christ Jesus? 
And may I say to you that this is the most important question of all the perplexing questions now facing this old world and facing humanity. For upon the answer to this question, your everlasting future destiny is determined. Second Corinthians 5.17 says this, If any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Wouldn't you like to be through with all of your old life of sinning and shame and degradation? Don't you just hate yourself sometimes? What a miserable sinner you are. No peace. For the wicked are like the troubled sea, casting up mire and dirt. You have no peace. And you who are still in Adam, outside of Christ, be honest now. Face the issue. Say to yourself, I'm tired of sin. I'm sick at heart. I need pardon and forgiveness. I need salvation. I need to be purchased out of the slave market. How can I be saved? How can I be a new creation? How can I at this moment be in Christ Jesus? That's where I want to help you. Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Now notice, and according to John the third chapter, except a man be born of the water, and the water there is an emblem of the Word of God, or type of the Word of God, or the washing of regeneration. Except a man be born of the Word and the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Follow me. Very plain, God doesn't leave us in darkness. And then I couple that third chapter with the fifth of John as follows. Hear the Word. Believe, receive. For he that heareth my Word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life, and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. And to become a new creation, to born, be born again, listen, heed, receive, believe, and through the Word of God, which is sharper than any two-edged sword, the Holy Spirit applying that Word, He points you to the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. And in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, you can pass from death unto light and be translated out from under the powers of darkness into the kingdom of God's dear Son. Your body may fall asleep then. True, your body may fall asleep and be put in the grave awaiting the resurrection. But you, if you're in Christ, will never, never die. Never be separated from the life of God which is in Christ Jesus. For listen carefully. For nothing shall separate us from the love of Christ. Neither tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, peril or sword. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor power, nor things present, nor things to come, neither height, nor depth, nor any other create creature can separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus. And based upon the death and the resurrection of Christ, you hear God's word in Christ, 
You'll be made alive, never to die, never to be separated from God throughout all the eternal ages. Why will you die? I don't know. Why will you perish? I don't know. God has done everything in heaven and in earth, providing his Son to die in your place instead, providing the way back to himself. He says, Now believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. Let's bow our heads in prayer. No one stirring, please. Pray with me now as we deal with those outside of Christ in the radio audience. Friend of mine, seated by the radio, God has been speaking to you. By nature, you are in Adam, dead in trespasses in sin and without hope and without God. God says, come now, let us reason together. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Why don't you kneel right where you are and look up into the Father's face and say, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And save me for Christ's sake. God bless you wherever you're making the decision. Father and mother, son or daughter, brother or sister, all listen. Give your heart to Christ now and become a new creation in him. For God loves you, not willing that you should perish. Continue in prayer. This is Charles E. Fuller bidding you goodbye and God's richest blessing upon you.